Hey everybody, before we go forward, a quick heads up. Jim, Jason, and I have been talking, and while we may have done a little much in terms of explicit language right out of the gate, trying to go cold turkey was the wrong way to deal with it. There have been times where we've had to sacrifice our real thoughts and feelings in favor of keeping it clean. And I've personally had to water down or just leave out my real reactions, or try to mentally rewrite them on the spot. It's not honest. And not for nothing, but if you don't want explicit content, how are you reading Green Lantern? Look at the Black Hand issue. Look at what the Red Lanterns do every time they show up. Look at, look at Blackest Night itself, which was a solid year of zombies eviscerating people. All of this fully on panel. I mean, this is the subject matter we cover most of the time. So from here on out, know that there's potential for cursing in our conversations. We're not going to overdo it, we're not going to go out of our way to do it, but sometimes it's going to happen, and hopefully you'll be able to enjoy the show anyway. I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Landarn Cast. Episode 55. Wow, you're able to remember what episode it is by now? I have the website open. <laughs> we didn't we didn't number the best of episode. So it's still 55? Well, if we're, if we're numbering all of our unnumbered things, we're at episode like 58 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but the last numbered episode that we had was 54. That, yeah, that's it's on my screen. Excellent. Okay. There you go. And, uh, all right, we're going to be talking about Green Lantern 53 and Green Lantern Core 47. All right, so you want to, uh, you want to take us through, through the first one? Yes, Green Lantern number 53, a brightest day tie-in. Okay, so it starts out with Hector Hammond wishing that, you know, he was Hal Jordan, like in the past. And then all of a sudden he starts conversing with some sort of mysterious figure who is actually on Riot and uh, is kind of in the shadows. This this shadowy character is collecting the entities like within the center of Riot. Then we flash to Hal and Carol. They're uh, having a drink at a bar and then to go decide to go fly planes because, you know, that always works out so well. Hmm. Um. While they're flying their planes, Sinestro shows up, he destroys both of the planes, and uh, announces that he found the white entity. Then we flash to Lex Luthor, who's studying some uh, bl- some remains of a Black Lantern, uh, because he wants a Black Lantern ring for himself. You can see that he's definitely been influenced by the Orange Lantern ring. And all of a sudden, Larvely's kind of like just pops in with uh, Guardian Sade, like, you know, in his clutches, basically. And he's just kind of asking Lex Luthor, what is of value on Earth? To which Lex replies, power and land. Then uh, we uh, we flash over to the Flash and St. Walker. And they're fixing graves, and uh, St. Walker is praying for the dead at the, uh, the Black Hand Mortuary. Uh, and then, uh, once again, we flash over to Ysmalt, where Ganthet is forming some sort of secret alliance between Guy Gardner and Atrocitus, um, assuming to preserve life or something. 
even though it means that Guy and Hal can't be friends after this. And uh, we find out that the White Lantern, the White Entity, is the White Lantern. So, so let's talk about the most interesting part of this issue. That is the first scene. Okay. Now, are we in agreement that this is probably Appa Aliopsa? Uh, well, I don't know. Really? I don't know because I didn't read that storyline. It was oh, I forget where it was. I forget, I don't remember what it was called, but I think I did. For anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, Apaliapsa was this renegade guardian who, you know, the guardians went away for a while. I forget why. They just left the universe and they left one of their own behind to just watch watch everything. And he went kind of nuts being alone for the first time in millennia. So he actually, he abducted chunks of cities from planets all over the universe and brought them to Oa and just jammed them together. And that's how we got the Mosaic City that Jon Stewart protected in his series for for, uh, the two years that it ran. Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, I don't think it's him. No? No, I don't. There's a couple of things. Like, here's here's the notes, basically, that I took on the this shadowy figure. Um, well, first off, the the first entity that he captured is Parallax, right? Mm-hmm. And look at the the color of his thought bubbles and and speech bubbles. Oh yeah, it's it's yellow. So, I mean, you know, there's there's that little piece of information. Um, he's the one that wrote Brightest Day into the oath. Um, I think one of the key things is that he says he protected the universe before Green Lanterns and before Manhunters. Let me find the the spot. Um, Like, I protected the universe under the watchful eyes of the Guardians. Like, right there. Like, why would the Guardians make one of their own protect the universe? Maybe it's not like that. I'm... Remember when we did um, uh, uh, Green Lantern Corps quarterly for Halloween? Yes. The whole, like, like, the first sequence in that issue spotlit the fact that before enlisting agents to work in their stead, mm-hmm. the Guardians were going out and fighting the fight themselves. So, like, he could be referring to that stage. And maybe it wasn't as sharp a change. Because I always assumed, like, the Guardians were out there getting their hands dirty, and then all at once they decide, you know what, let's send other other beings instead. Maybe it was transitional. Maybe some of them became administrative while others stayed in the field. Well, that's that's a good point because uh, that, that you make, and the the reason I say it's a good point is because it shows that there was act there was probably like a huge gap because. You have the Guardians going out there fighting the fight themselves. They looked nothing like the Guardians. Like, they look like full-grown men. They look like the uh, Malthusians that, you know, they were, that, you know, that they started out as. Hmm. Um, you know, and then when they finally made the Manhunters, they were they were tiny, like, little, little old men. So, I mean, presumably, something happened, you know, between there. And we have no idea what that is. I mean, honestly, when I look at this figure, all I can think is that it has to be a guardian. If only be- because 
you have only two things. One, well, three things. One, his age. Two, he, and I'm saying he because we don't know it's female or anything yet. He, two, he wrote part of the Green Lantern Oath. And three, you know, look at the parts of this thing, like, like on page one, on page three, when you see his feet as he's walking across the, the ground, and on page five, when you see his hands, when he's raising them up, look how little and stubby they are. Like, he's, he's guardian-sized. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's true, but, um, the other thing is, he captured an entity. You know? Like, he, like, single-handedly, by himself, you know, or herself, we don't actually know, like, just grabbed it out of space, plucked it out of space, transported it all the way to Riot, and chained it up. Now, Ganthet wasn't able to do that. You remember in uh, in Rebirth, in Green Lantern Rebirth, Ganthet was actually taken over by Parallax because he wasn't strong enough to, to, to capture it. Yeah, but you're assuming that the person that took Parallax did it through an exercise of their own sheer power. Whereas, you know, the end of Green Lantern Rebirth, we found out that a couple guys with power rings can do exactly that because they have, they're armed with equipment capable of funneling parallax through space. You know, that's how the lantern sucked up parallax through their rings into the battery. And if, if we're talking about a renegade guardian who would know how to build that kind of technology, I mean, I mean, look at look. He's descending through what could end up being like some machinery to get to the, the little chamber where the entity is being kept. Hmm. Well, I mean, again, the the only other guardian that I know that has captured an entity is Krona. It won't be Krona. It might be Krona. It's not Krona. Krona's taller. Well, Krona was taller. Nah, it's not Krona. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like. We haven't seen Krona, like, we didn't see Krona at all in in Blackest Night. And, actually, I don't think that they've they've shown Krona at all in this entire run. But they, they have referenced him a number of times. And, out of all the Guardians, we know that Krona was able to capture Parallax in, uh, in some sort of box. So... I'm looking at Green Lantern number six. Where uh, it's the it's the last part of that uh, black hand yeah. shark thing, right? And they're on the spaceship, and Hal's trying to free Hector Hammond, and he's just he's telling Hal stuff like, uh, "Where is it?" He says, uh, "Jordan, the time. Do you remember the Renegade Guardian?" I thought they said something else in here. Maybe that was it. Well, yeah, you know, I just realized that from before from uh, the episode from the issue where parallax was abducted he said something to the effect of uh, it's like no not you it can't be you like somebody that Hector Hammond actually recognized has Hector Hammond met either of these people I, I don't know well and then the other thing is like the last thing that this shadowy character says is and not even Hal Jordan will stand in my way. Which, like, 
is uh, is heavily implicating that this character has gone up against Hal Jordan before. Which which means it could still be either Krona or Appa Eliopsa. <laughs> yeah, or someone else. Nah, it's one of them. Nah, it's my, it's my guy. Now, I think the biggest, the bigger question is like, what the hell do you think he wants these entities for? Because, like, the obvious thing is like, oh, they're powerful and he wants power and blah blah blah. But between, right, the the way he's storing them, he has like this whole like like ceremonial setup going, and he has them chained to a specific stone and all that. It's it's an old. Yeah, it looks really purposeful. Yeah. Plus, like, if you look at just the planet there, like, look at the lightning every time it strikes. It's all the different colors of the spectrum. Right. Oh. Oh, this, this is... Okay, this is like, this is one of those unfair mysteries because you don't know all the information at this point. Okay. Because... We still don't know why the Manhunters wiped out everything in Sector 666. Ah, that's true. So, if we find that out, then there's a good chance that, you know, we'll, we'll know, you know, why why these entities are here. Hmm. It could, it, well, what it could be, if you bring all of the entities together, well, then what color do you have? White. Right. Do you think you think they're gonna bring back the sector? Well, I I think they may try and use all the power of all the entities, you know, to bring back all of that life. That may be a possibility. What do you think of the fact that? It's it's a guardian. What do you think about the fact that our guardian here is wearing uh, green energy shackles? Um. I don't know. I don't know, and, like, you know, where did he break the shackles from? Army wonders if he's the one generating them. No, I don't think so. Eh. But you know what I think? I think uh, his chains probably broke during the Blackest Night. Hmm. He Maybe he was chained there, same way Parallax is. That would be interesting. What do you think of this, this wall that has the... Uh, you know, like, basically what just happened in Blackest Night kind of thing. Yeah. I was trying to make out what all of those were, but I couldn't tell most of them to the left. Yeah. Yeah, but what's interesting is that Hector Hammond is there. Yeah. Yeah, he's right in the middle there. Are these carvings, or are these, like, mirrors or something? I couldn't tell. I don't know. Oh. um, Well, it looks like the cracks go through them. Oh, yeah, so they're just... The stone. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if there's going to be any significance to Parallax being the first one chosen, or taken. It could just be that Parallax is the most um, visible and available. He's the only one kicking around at the time. Yeah. Or, it could have something to do with, like, when the entity, like, he can only get the entity when it's roaming free, outside of a host. That might be it. Which makes me wonder what we might see from Sodom yet soon. Yeah. Especially since as soon as you turn the page, you see uh, the TV over Carol's shoulder has a bright smiling sun. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an interesting catch. I don't know if that 
is necessarily uh, what they were going for, but that is a good catch. Hey, listen to me. Within this story arc, we're going to see Sodom yet. He's going to be in this book. He's going to be tooling around, and somebody's probably going to rip Ion out of him. Because, damn it, people rip Ion out of other people. (laughs) Well, um, the only thing with that that I was thinking about was, I I, and I've mentioned this a number of times on the, the forum, I think Ion is going to be, like, the last one that they get, and I don't even know if he's going to come out during this storyline. Do you still think he's going to stay in there, like, until the 31st century or something? No, 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 not at all. But, uh, like, I have a feeling, like, just seems like it would go hand-in-hand with an evil star story. Mm. And it was uh, Merlin's android on the forum, I think, that came up with the idea that wouldn't it be interesting if um, Evil Star drained the star that Ion was in? Yeah, because if he gets his power from a star, then yeah. a star being amped up by an entity would be like ridiculously more powerful than a regular star. Yes, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in the far future, in like the Legion days... Isn't Daxum, like, destroyed also? No, oh, I don't know. Because I thought uh, Monel was the only one left. Uh, maybe? I don't know. I'm not sure. But, I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, having your star go out would, uh... That'll do the trick. That'll do the trick. <laughs> and And also, if the star around you gets completely absorbed, that's a good way to get yourself out of a star. God. I still say this whole being in the sun thing could get rid of his lead poisoning. Just any way, they, like, vir- virtually any way they felt like doing it. They could say, you know, his, his Daxum, his Daxamite body absorbed so much solar radiation that it burned out the lead poisoning. They could explain it as, oh, unleashing the ion power got rid of the lead poisoning. They could do anything they want yeah, with this. Yeah. Just get rid of it. I agree. Um,. What you call it? Uh, oh, and the other thing with the first section, um, Hector Ham. Well, yeah. First off, Hector Hammond, yeah, is he's in that that imagery, that prophecy or retelling or whatever uh, on the wall. But also, Hector Hammond is still thinking in orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still say it's more peachish. But... <laughs> that's that's gonna come into play, like within the next couple of issues. I know. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the issue, like, there was one thing I really liked in the rest of the issue, and it was, like, it was nice and, I don't even know if it was subtle, but I liked that they put it in there. So when Hal and Kyle, or... Carol. the hell's her name? Carol. Carol. Yeah. When Hal, if this was Hal and Kyle, this would be a much more awkward conversation, <laughs> but Hal and Carol are flying around the jets talking about, like, like, kind of dancing around the topic of, like, what do they want? Do they want to be together? Mm-hmm. God, I hope not. And, and, um, one of them finally says, like, do you love me? And then at that moment, they both, like, kind of swerve off in different directions to evade <laughs> hitting a mesa. Yeah. So it's, like, it's it's literally, like, like this gigantic wedge between them. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, what do you think of the fact that her, her name on her helmet is Sapphire? I think that's kind of cool. I don't know. I mean, like, she's had such problems with, with the Sapp- you know, the Star Sapphire in the past. You'd think she'd want to avoid that. 
you would think she would give the ring back that like Sinestro even calls her on that like two pages later. Yeah, definitely. And uh, when Hal's uh, plane explodes, did you see the panel like right after that with Carol's eyes? Oh, she has. Does she have like the thing, the symbol in there? Yeah, kind it's, of. It's kind of the Star Sapphire symbol. Yeah, you can't. You have to really look for it though, because it's not blatant. Carol even makes mention of the fact that she's like flying around in, in space in a swimsuit. Yeah, she hates her suit too. Did you see that thing? I put that image I posted on the forum. It's on the Facebook page too. Yes. Yeah, like the good version of this suit that that some kid at their computer made <laughs> so much better than everyone DC pays. Yeah, basically, if all the violet part was black and all the skin was violet. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be so much better. It's a good look. It's a good look. Although, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. I do like this uh, this costume. You know, like I, I can see how some people would be offended by it, but uh, I don't know. I'm not offended by it. I just think it's ridiculously stupid. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate it. God. Um, did uh, did you laugh when Sinestro put up a shield that had a giant peace sign on it? Yeah, I kind of wondered how he would know what a giant peace sign was. Meh. <laughs> um, Lex Luthor. He's he's studying the remains of a Black Lantern that the Flash brought to the Justice League. Mm. If you look very closely, you know what that's a skull of. I don't know what you're looking for. Like, okay, okay, like the top panel. Like, yes. you can make out very distinctly some some features that imply, you know, what kind of uh, character this is. I see an eye hole. I see a nose. There's some teeth. Who the hell do you think it is? Well, the teeth are very large. It's a monkey. It's one of the apes from uh, Gorilla City. Solovar, maybe? Probably, yeah. Okay. Because, like, I was, like, I'm staring at this. I'm like, like, what is that? Like, you know, I'm, is it a face? Am I looking at a chest? Or, And then I see the teeth, and I'm like, those are definitely, like, you know, that's like an ape skeleton right there. Well, it makes sense that Barry would pick up Solovar's, because he was... I mean, look how he reacted to find out Solovar died when yeah. uh, we found that out in uh, Blackest Night Flash. Yeah. I like how appropriate it was that Lex was eating mm-hmm. <laughs> during this scene. Yes. Okay. He kind of looks a little chubbier than usual. Well, he's probably been pigging out. Yeah. And Oh, my God. Tell me if you had the same thought that... I, I almost want to say this was done... At least partly tongue-in-cheek by Johns. The whole, what else is more valuable than power on this planet? (laughs) And Lex just gets a big smile on his face and says, land! (laughs) Like, this is crazy, like, real estate scheme Lex Luthor from (laughs) the movies. (laughs) Yes, yes. He even pauses. He even pauses right before saying it. <laughs> yeah, and the look on his face is hysterical. I love that scene. He's like, <laughs> I just watched Gene Hackman do this in a movie. I'm going to see if it works. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> what do you think of Larfleeze just kind of like, he's basically riding on the head of Sade? It looks so, like, <laughs> it, it looks like it's, it's something you would see in, like, a claymation Tim Burton movie or something, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I saw this, all of a sudden, like, I kind of remembered, like, okay, now wait a second. Larfleeze as a guardian now for the orange, uh, the orange core. And Ganthit is a green lantern. That means the blue lanterns don't have a guardian anymore. Well, I was gonna ask you about that, because at the end, Ganthit is talking to Atrocitus and Guy, he's still wearing his blue lantern guardian outfit. It's like, I don't know if this was just supposed to have taken place earlier, or... Oh no, it couldn't have be, it couldn't be earlier, it has to be post-Blackest Night. But maybe he's, like, kind of doing the sleeper agent thing inside the Green Lantern Corps? Possibly. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, you know, I didn't even catch that. Let's talk about that. Like, what do you think this uh, special mission or whatever it is Ganthet has? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I kind of am wondering if, like, they're going to try... I, yeah, okay, this is this is this is like gonna sound kind of convoluted, and I know it is. Nice. <laughs> I'm wondering if like they know that Hal Jordan has to break away from the core, and you know he has to basically decrease the reliance on the Guardians. Like he has to start a whole new core that isn't the Green Lantern Corps, but can use the rings and emotional willpower. Are you talking about Hal, or... No, I'm talking about Hal. I'm talking about Hal Jordan. And, you know, like, he has to start up some sort of new core. He has to go renegade, and, like, that's the only way that the, you know, Green Lanterns are going to continue to exist without the Guardians. Um, And I'm thinking maybe Guy and Atrocitus are, like, forming this alliance to try and, like, push him to where he needs to go. Because, like, the key thing to me is Ganthet is saying to both of them, you know, um, you have heard the situation, Atrocitus, you both have. And you know of the vow I have made to fight against the Guardians and their Green Lantern Corps. Now, you know, Ganthet, who is a, a, uh, a deputy lantern, um, you know, and formerly a guardian. You know, if he's made a vow against the Guardians, then it would seem to me that he would be in favor of a separate Green Lantern Corps that Hal Jordan, you know, starts or something. And if that happens, then, you know, because Atrocitus has made a vow, you know, to, like, kill the Green Lantern Corps and the Guardians. Like, he won't stop until they're all dead. But if there's a new Corps run by Hal Jordan then they can go up against the Guardians in their core all they want and have the Red Lanterns fight right alongside them. What I was thinking is that, obviously, at this point, it is just ridiculously clear to Gant that the, the Guardians model does not work. It's, like, he's, he's he realizes this, Sinestro realizes this, everybody realizes this. I think Hal even says something to the effect of, you know, once this whole Blackest Night mess is over, I'm done working for them or something like that during Blackest Night. Right. 
So, but Ganthet obviously still believes in at least the basic concepts. Like, like that's the whole reason he's push he he pushes for like the Blue Lanterns because he thinks like this model can work. Yeah. But he also he's been the first Guardian to really embrace emotion. So what if he's what if the core he wants to see rise up isn't so much just you know Green Lantern Core version two, but what if it's a blended core of the different colors? Oh, like we've been talking about like what if there was a council that met like the UN from each different core? What if Gantha is trying to to just meld the different cores together? So he's got Atrocitus. So you've got the leader of the Red Lanterns right here. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my mind, I was trying to kick around like, okay, whatever this is, this is like, it involves Guy Gardner. So it's probably going to have a lot to do with what the, the premise of Emerald Warriors turns out to be. Yes. So, and we'll get to that preview when we talk about Green Lantern Corps, but you saw like there was a panel of them with a Red Lantern. There was a panel of them with the Blue Lantern. What if Emerald Warriors is Guy and his band going around running co-op missions with members of other cores to try and sow the seeds of cooperation? Well, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, and like they can even fall back on, like, look, remember what, what we accomplished together when, during the fight against Necron and this and that. Like, look at all the Black Lanterns we destroyed because we worked together and, like... From there, finding things that they could bo- they could achieve together that would be mutually beneficial or beneficial to the group that they were trying to get to come along. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Um. This this page with the Flash and Saint Walker. Yeah. Um. I mean, that was kind of useless. Yeah. I understand why they did it, though. I mean, it give it gives you insight to to the nature of how St. Walker's power works and also to what kind of person he is because, you know, he's going to do this for every single fallen person that they can find. Yeah. So. I think, yeah, I think it's also, like, done to kind of just establish that St. Walker is still on Earth also. Yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, this page right here... Because this, this issue has a lot of introductory elements to it. Same with... Oh kind of with Green Lantern Corps, but mostly with this one, where, like, you know, they have the whole little uh, title captions and what their power is every time a character shows up for the first time. But it also, like, you can read this page and kind of get Saint Walker, I think. And by association, Barry Allen, because he's, he's helping him with this task. What did you think? Like, were you bothered at all by the whole, like, Atrocitus, Red Lantern, Power, Rage, St. Walker, Blue Lantern, Power, Hope. Um, no, no, I didn't have a problem with that. I, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense because I think, uh, like, this is the first issue of Brightest Day. So if somebody wasn't reading Green Lantern before this, you know, and they just decided to jump on with number 53, because yeah. this one all, this one came with a Green Lantern ring. Oh, that's true. This probably got to sell better. Yeah, this is another introductory issue. Um, you know, giving that kind of introduction to people, what you know, it would would work nicely. Yeah, I just hope this is the only issue they do it. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem one way or another. It was one of those things where, like, as I'm reading it, I'm I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at the whole 
you know, on the last page where they say, follow Guy Gardner and Emerald Warriors number one and follow Gath Fed and Green Lantern Corps 48 and follow Hal Jordan and Brightest Day number one. And I'm thinking to myself, between this and, like, the copy for the the stats, like, I wonder if those things will make it into the trade collection or if they'll, uh, if they'll digitally remove those. Oh, well, I think the the stats will definitely be in the trade. And I wonder if when the next trade, you know, when the next storyline starts, if they'll do that again and just do it for, like, the first issue of each traded story. Mm. Well, I guess I could see them doing that. kind of hope they don't, but... I don't have a problem one way or another. What did you think of the way Atrocitus was drawn? Uh, let me look at him. Uh, look fine. Yeah, I liked I liked it a lot. I, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like, what's his problem with it? I yeah, no, <laughs> no problem. No, I just, I just like, I looked at that those pages and I thought that they were drawn like really beautifully. Oh yeah, really awesome image of him kneeling over that uh, that bloody ravine. Yes, where it's like raining down blood. Um, I guess the only other thing to mention from here is. You know, every single time Sinestro wants to talk to Hal, he has to blow up his plane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and another funny thing is that, like, they make a comment, uh, it's like the truce didn't even last 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. Nice little throwback there. Yeah. Okay. Alright, so Green Lantern Corps 47? Absolutely. Yes, the real final issue for Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, because you know what it was? We got the... Cause we we had them back and forth on the forum about what was the real cover and the alternate cover and all that. The cover they solicited for this issue was the unfinished version of the alternate. Right. So it was just, like, Isamat in the foreground and some, like, partially visible figures in the background. It, it was very unremarkable. And then after that, they started announcing all this stuff about, you know, Ganfed is coming to the book, so is Jon Stewart, and the creators are changing, and the lineup is changing, and the direction is blah, blah, blah. So that all just kind of eclipsed this issue in my mind, so I thought the last one was the last one, so... Whatever. I got I got an awesome cover out of it. It's, off. it's great. <laughs> I, I love this cover, seriously. It's like the Green Lantern Core Recharge number one cover, except with ten guys on it. It's so great. <laughs> wow. Okay, so take us through it. Alright. This 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 is like this is a weird one to summarize, because this is this is, you know, Blackest Night is over. The Green Lantern Corps is having some downtime. You know, they're they're licking their wounds, they're they're honoring their dead, they're being there for each other. Guy, uh, you know, it starts off with all of them kind of getting the central battery up and up and running again. Um, everybody goes to Mogo for a uh, memorial service for those dead. They're they're honoring guys like like Bizd and Keon and all that. Kilowog decides that you know what, after all that that oh so entertaining Ermy stuff he went through <laughs> during Blackest Night, he's He's got to take some time off from being a drill sergeant and just go back to being a beat cop again. He's just going to be like a either a sector lantern or an honor lantern. I don't know. He's just he's just going to be a regular Green Lantern again. And Stell, the robot, he's he's going to replace Kilowog as drill instru- instructor. 
um, Vath, who got his legs shot off by the Anti-Monitor, which, that that's a pretty good good story. Like, hey, how'd you get your wound? The Anti-Monitor shot my legs off. I, <laughs> man, I'd hate to, have to lose my legs, but I'd, I'd, I'd like to... I'd like to be able to say that anyway. Yeah. Uh, but his partner, Isamot, who's a freaking lizard dinosaur, realizes, hey, I'm a freaking lizard dinosaur. <laughs> I can grow limbs back. I probably did eight times before lunch. I'm going to give you my legs and then grow them back. So so he does, and Vath kind of reacts less than good. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, just before they can buzzsaw each other to death, Iolade comes in, says, you know, shut up. And they're cool. Uh, meanwhile, Guy, Saranic, and Kyle kick down the Guardian's doorstep and punch him in the face. <laughs> and Kyle basically gives him a talking to about why emotion is a good thing. And then they leave. And Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And the big thing to cap off the issue is apparently they kind of took to heart what Kyle said and the Guardians repealed the third law, which outlawed, you know, relationships between Green Lanterns. So now, like, love is acceptable within the core again. (laughs) What you call it? Yeah, there were a couple of little things that you missed. Probably. Um, they took off the moratorium on no new lanterns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, green lantern rings are flying everywhere looking for new bearers. Um, Kyle's mural, uh, his wall mural of the history of the Green Lantern Corps was completely destroyed. So he's gonna kind of redo that now. Yeah, I was glad they touched on that. And, uh, the last thing was, um, Warriors, the bar, was also destroyed. And they're gonna rebuild that. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, maybe depends. And then the last page, we get a preview of Emerald Warrior, and we'll talk about that later. Well, that I'm not sh- so sure they're going to rebuild Guy's Bar because if he's splintering off into his own book, then this would be a good good uh, severing of ties to this book, you know. Like take his his business that he was running on Oa and get rid of it because he's not going to be around anyway. Well, but uh, you know Kyle's like, but you know rebuilding this place needs to be at the top of the list. You know people need a place to go and uh, you know talk and chill out and whatever. Yeah. Um And and guy says you can count on it. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll be around. Maybe Kyle will run it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, it, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. It's, it's warriors. I mean, it's always been kind of a side thing anyway. So, okay. So, what do you think of this issue? I kind of liked it. This is the second one of these they've done. Uh, the first one was like the epilogue to the Sinestro Corps, where you just saw everybody coping with, you know, the war and everything. But uh, I liked it. I almost wish it was a little longer. But I liked it. Is, yeah. This is a, this is akin to what um, Claremont used to do with the X Men, where like every so often he'd take a break from like the huge crap going on and just have a like a cool down issue where everybody's just hanging out watching TV or playing baseball or something. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was okay. I mean, it's I don't know. I I guess like 
the pace at which we got everything, you know, for the past several months. Like I, I it's it's weird to to switch, you know, to switch speeds like that so fast. Well, you need it though. You can't keep the dial turned up to 11 forever, you know? I mean, even the Green Lantern issue we just covered, like, that was a pretty slow issue, except for that first, like, five pages. Yeah, but that first five pages, kind of like, you know, that's that's one of those first five pages that's going to set the tone for things for quite a while. You know, that's that's a new idea as opposed to an issue that's, like, closing up ideas. Listen, this wasn't just closing up ideas. I mean, this was... I, they made some major headway with the Guardians here. Yeah, okay, let's let's go to that. Let's go to that now and talk about that. Because, okay. like, the one thing that I have to say is that every time in the past, anybody has gone up to the Guardians and, you know, been like, listen, you need to change this, you know, because this is a crappy way of doing things and I don't like this and you're wrong and this is the way that... And the Guardians are like, you know what? You're right. We're going to take that information to heart, and we're going to change now. I mean, like, um, how many times has, guy, has uh, Green Arrow done that to them? You well, know? yeah, but but look at, look at who you're talking about there with Green Arrow. Like, this wasn't... All right, I think a lot of it comes down to Kyle being the one who did this. Well, well because... like, well, okay. Well, I, I want to interrupt you, because I understand why Green Arrow would do that. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm, you know, picking at. The thing that I'm picking at is that the Guardians, like, why would they listen to anybody? I mean, like, here, with Kyle saying it, like, this is the first time, I think, that I've read something like this where the person that's complaining actually makes a fairly compelling argument, you know? And he's not, like, you know, ranting, like, you're wrong, you're all idiots, this is the way that you have to do it. And they're like, wow, you're amazing. You just gave us brand new, brilliant ideas. They, oh, shut up. They this don't is, even say that. No, well, no, but that's that's kind of what it seems like some of the other times that I've seen that happen. But this, this is definitely done much better. Yeah, and I think, because if you remember back to, like, virtually every time we've seen Kyle interact with the Guardians since Rebirth, and I'm talking about, like, the Guardians, like, as a whole, not just Gamfet or something. The whole Torchbearer thing, the fact that Kyle is basically responsible for there even being Green Lanterns and Guardians in the universe at all anymore, they have a certain level of respect for him. Yeah. Like, he he can talk more freely to them than basically anyone else. And if you, like, you read over his argument here, like, like read this page and a half that well, we're not gonna read it right now, but this read this page and a half of Kyle talking to the Guardians. He's he's making his case calmly, logically. He's being respectful enough to them. He's not like Guy Gardner kicking down the door and Aresia punching them in the face, <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. But like his approach, his tact, plus the fact that he's Kyle, I think is is ultimately what led to them making the decision to repeal the law. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate that. I like the fact that they, you know, I, I like the fact that they did repeal the law because it was, you know, one of their most crippling laws. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like you, like you've been saying, like I said, he, he makes a very good case, Kyle, and he does it calmly and it's not, 
it's not the kind of thing that I've seen in the past where, you know, like somebody comes up with something that you've heard on Sesame Street. It's like an argument, like literally that you've heard on Sesame Street where, you know, we need to share and, you know, be nice to each other. Otherwise, you know, we, we're not going to be able to play with each other's toys or something. Snuffleupagus is real. No, he's imaginary. You know, he's real. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and this thing that, like, a four-year-old could come up with, the Guardians are like, oh, you know, this information, like, we've never thought of this ever. Like, really? You've been around for, like, eons, and you don't, you've never come up with the idea that sharing is caring. I mean, come <laughs> on. They don't get PBS on Oa. <laughs> this is another benefit of having Guy's Bar. He he has the, he probably has Comcast up in there, and it's, it's great. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, those those two pages of them making the new revisions. Yeah. I, I paused before I turned the page, and I thought to myself, all right, are they going to make things better or worse? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, let's, let's see. <laughs> and at first, the first split nanosecond, I turned the page, and I'm like, ah, oh, well, they outlawed his bar. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they make that page incredibly confusing. Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I think they played it up for for laughs, because, like, you're expecting this page turn reveal of, like, oh my god, what they decide to do? And then you just get, like, Guy Gardner's business got run into the ground, literally. <laughs> <laughs> it does make sense, though. I mean, if you're heading into the brightest day, you kind of want the issue to end on an up note, <laughs> so it makes sense. Like, like alright, let's take the law that says love is evil and get rid of it. Yeah. When uh, when the announcement goes out, like, the one thing that I thought was, like, totally bizarre is, like, why is Ceranic pulling her mask down to smile at the new law? She's in the middle of surgery. <laughs> yeah, she's has the needle right there. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, let me just smile for the camera. And then go back to the surgery after I've just infected everything with my, my breathing. I was more trying to figure out the anatomy of her patient. Because it looks like he has, like, three faces and then an arm made out of several arms and feet to nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just kind of stopped paying attention to that one. Yeah. Um, I was more interested in the panel below it, where the ring update says, you know, Attention all lanterns, the third law stating that physical relationships and love between members of the Green Lantern Corps is forbidden from this moment forth has been repealed. And you got Vaz, which, you know, yay, Vaz is alive. (laughs) And he seems kind of troubled by that. So I'm hoping we get, like, at least a Vaz subplot or something. Well, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Vaz the one where, uh, during the Sinestro Corps War... Or, no, right after the Sinestro Corps War, there was that character who was, like, going around and killing the loved ones of uh, Green Lantern members. Wasn't that Boz's family? No, 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 That was uh, that polar bear dude. Oh. Remember? <laughs> that ice yes. planet? I mean, they're both fuzzy bears, but one was a polar bear. Like, the family even lived in an igloo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean that's it's a very random panel to have. 
So I'm and like they even gave him a little herm, little word yeah. bubble there. So I'm I'm thinking we're gonna see more with Vaz. Um, like it maybe it turns out that once that that law went into effect, like he he told his wife that he could no longer be with her or something like that. Maybe. Or maybe it has to do with the fact that maybe he doesn't have eyes now. Oh. So. I'm sure they can hook him up. They can hook him up with some eyes. What do you think of the tree? The tree. Oh, you hate the tree. I hate the tree. I hate the tree. Why do you hate a tree? Hey, give a hoot. Oh, God. Don't pollute. Um... You know, like, I like the idea that, you know, all the images are on the leaves, but, the like, the Lantern Crypt was just such an awesome visual, and instead we have a tree with shiny leaves. I wouldn't call it an awesome visual, because it was just, like, a big white space with a bunch of statues floating around. Well, I mean, like, the cool thing is, is, like, at any given point, you could be seeing statues of past, you know, lanterns being memorialized. Whereas, like, if you see this tree, like, unless you're, like, going really close up, you're not going to see any of these past lanterns. Hmm. That's basically what I mean. I mean, I think this is a more practical solution, given what just happened (laughs) with the crypt. Well, and a fire that will burn on Mogo, you know, as long as... At least one Green Lantern ring is shining somewhere in the vast universe. My rewrite of that scene would have had Kyle be like, You mean like that time when I was the only one who... And someone's like, Shut up, Kyle. <laughs> um, I thought Stell was kind of a random choice to replace Kilowog. Not really. I mean, if you want somebody who is going to know all of Kilowog's maneuvers and everything like that, then why not go with a character who, like, can digitally, like, actually remember everything that Kilowog has ever done? Yeah, he is kind of a walking textbook. But, like, I, I just, I'm, I have this fear that, you know, especially with, with the writers changing, and, and this isn't a dig against, against, um, Tony Bedard or anything. This is just something, like, I feel like it would be easy for any writer to fall into. And I hope I'm wrong. But I feel like we're going to get, you know, Stell on paper is is the perfect candidate for being the drill instructor, but he's going to be like the overly cold or analytical machine that can't do it as good as a living person, and eventually Kilowog has to come back and do the job right kind of thing. Like That's possible. I really hate that, though. I don't want to see it. Like, that's the kind of thing you would do on, like... Like, a one-off TV episode of something. <laughs> In fact, there's probably, like, 8 million TV shows that have done that, too. Yeah, yeah. How about, uh, Vath's new legs? Huh. I mean, the toes are gonna be awkward, but, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I mean, I kinda, I can understand his point of view from, like, you know... There, like, he could almost never go back to his home planet without being ridiculed or whatever. Yeah. At first, I thought they were just retreading the whole, like, I'm from Rand, so I hate Thanagar crap. They, they both should be over by now, but then when they brought up the whole the planet thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, he can't go home, can he? 
Unless he wears some really big shoes. Yeah. Yeah, well, if he wears the shoes and pants, then nobody should know. <laughs> we gotta see him choke out a guy in a wheelchair. That's always good. What you call it? Okay, so... <laughs> so we, we haven't touched on this yet, but... The the first scene with the with the the power battery. Yes. Okay. Uh, now, Guy Gardner says, "Let's power this bad boy up." Yeah. And and you can clearly see that energy is going from the rings to whatever they're doing, right? Yeah, that's. And then you know the next panel, like you can see them like shooting directly into the center of the battery. <laughs> that makes no sense. Especially since they just ch- charged up from it before they went to Earth for Black Night 8. Yeah. Um, At first I thought that I misread this. They say, let's pick this bad boy up because it was tilted <laughs> over. Or Yeah. Which, I mean, like, you can see Mogo. So, like, I guess part of me was thinking, okay, well, maybe Mogo is, like, using his gravitational pull to pick up the battery, you know, um, you can see them, like, reconnecting wires underneath the thing, but, like, it doesn't, like, they're not gonna power up the battery from their rings. Yeah. No. Mm. (sighs) Um, and one thing I did notice is, uh, right near the center of that page, like, Mm. just to the left of Aresia, Yes. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my god it is! That's amazing! (laughs) Did you notice that? Not until you started saying it. I'm like, oh, that's right there. (laughs) And what did you think of the art in this? Because Jason texted me this morning asking me what I thought of the art. Yeah. And they just never said anything again, so I'm assuming he didn't like it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like I said, I, I, I had talked to him about that also. Um, he thought that some of the scenes looked a little wonky, like, uh, the way Ceranic was drawn with Kyle. Yeah, and, you know, again, like, like this issue, like so many others, has four or five inkers, so. Mm. Like, when you do the page turn and you see the guy bar scene. Yeah. Like, that shot of Guy Gardner doesn't look like anything else in this book. Like, even the texture of his shirt is all, is weird and crinkly, it's like. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that that page with Kyle talking to Ceranic, I guess that is a little wonky. Um, it's thicker. It's like muddier inks. Yes, yeah. But uh, I don't know. For the most part, like the scene with the rings flying from Mogo, you know, like that's awesome. You know, the right underneath it with all the Green Lanterns standing there paying their respects. That's awesome. I mean, even the the tree, the tree itself, like the splash page of the tree. Awesome tree. It is an awesome tree. It's an awesome tree, but I did like the crypt better. This tree would be an awesome Facebook friend for the Star City Forest. <laughs> and you know, like, and the other thing is, with when they have the page with the close-up of the leaves, mm. like, there's two two panels there where you can see, like, uh, you can see Kihan, you can see bzzz, Jack T. Chance, um, Tomar Ray, and... Uh, I don't know, that wolf guy lantern. Um, Arcus something? But that's really the only ones you can make out. Got a lizard guy. Yeah, like a lizard guy. I don't even know who that is. Mr. Lizard Guy. Looks like Lizard Man from Masters of the Universe. 
Wasn't there like a lizard dude wearing like a criminal mask that you loved in that uh that original Necron story? Maybe that's him. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No. Fine. But uh I I mean like that that's if they had like gone all out and like every every leaf you could like kind of make out who they were actually going for, then I would have been blown away by the trait. But, Man, what if Mogo dies? Where are they going to put him? <laughs> Giant leaf. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like, overall, I, I didn't really have a problem with the art. Yeah. I'd like to see this mean that Maro is now Mogo's sector partner, just because he wants to stay by the tree. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, like, that, that was one thing, thing that I was wondering, like, who is Mogo's partner now that is, is completely gone? Yeah. It almost has to be Morrow, because, like, the, the Lantern Crypt isn't there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the the final two-page spread is a giant thing of, like, what's to come for Green Lantern Emerald Warriors. Yes. So we have uh, Guy Gardner and... One scene, he's kind of like touching a white lantern symbol on the ground. We have Aresia, like, shielding herself from... Oh! Did you just notice her eyes? Yes. Ion. Yep. Ah, the ion symbol is in her eyes. Okay, that's awesome. I didn't (laughs) catch that. Okay, like, why are they showing her face? That's stupid. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Okay. Well, apparently, oh, I... she's right around the son of Daxum. Um, let's see. Okay, well, that's awesome. Very cool. Oh, God. <laughs> to the left of, you know, the center, you have uh, Guy and Kilowog, like, using a, a beam, like, a beam and a an actual beam of iron made out of the Green Lantern ring, Girdling, trying yes. to prop up for the uh, anti-monitor's boot from stepping on them. I think that's who that is. Oh, I definitely think that's who that is. I don't... I'm, I'm gonna have to Google his boots. I don't know what that'll look like. Um, yeah, you can only see the boot, but I'm pretty sure that's the anti-monitor's boot. Well, it's a giant... It's just a giant guy. I mean, look, they're, they're fighting another giant guy, like, two frames over. It could be anybody. No, the, the that two frames over guy is regular size. Look at Kilowog right in front of him. They're practically the same size. I thought Kilowog was just extreme foreground. No. Um, what you call it? You have, uh, on one of the corners, um, Guy Gardner with Worth, the Blue Lantern. Woohoo! Elephants. I'm, I'm thinking that so that he can, like, kind of cure his Red Lantern, uh, problems. That would be the smart thing to have done already. Yeah. Then you have, uh, far, to the far right, Guy Gardner on Yasmalt in front of the Red Lantern power battery, just kind of, like, in the pool of blood whatever. Screaming. Um, Yes, screaming at the sky. And, oh, in the center you have uh, Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner, like, shooting their rings at each other um, after fighting because they're all beat up and bloody and whatever. And then the final panel, you have Guy Gardner, Vath, Izamot, Kilowog, Aresia, and um, Vice. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, what's please, the angel? Please. Please. Yeah. And they're fighting... Do you know who that is? I have no idea who that is. 
it's some dude with a flame sword and snakes coming out of his other hand. He's purple-skinned. He's got skulls on his knees, skull he's, like skull shin guards. They're very. He's wearing like some very like almost ceremonial-looking armor. Yes. Old like. Regal. Yeah. Uh, he has white hair. Um, skulls going over like uh as like a hair braid kind of thing. We're asking you people. Tell us who this is. I like. The only thing that I was wondering is this this person looks a lot like uh that bounty hunter that hates Guy Gardner so much. Oh. Um Oh, yeah, I do want to see him pop up again cuz Guy like saved him <laughs> during Blackest Night or right before Blackest Night. Right. From execution. Now, let me ask you if this is just if this is what it looks like, or if it's just like an art thing. Okay. The panel with Guy and Worth, and okay. you see Guy grabbing Worth's ring hand. Yeah. Guy's left hand looks completely flat. Yes, yes! It, it, it looks like his glove is just empty, and he's holding the empty glove over Worth's fist. And I don't know if that's like, if they the dude just missed, like messed up the depth really poorly or if that it's supposed to be maybe guy something happens to guy's hand or something i don't know and crushes it flat um, maybe the anti-monitor steps on his hand yeah that could that's gotta be it yeah look at that <laughs> um well the first one up there yeah it almost looks like i don't know it almost looks like a summoning ritual that's the first thing that popped into my head when I saw a guy putting his hand down on, like, the white emblem. Yeah. Because, like, look at how his ring is, like, violently reacting to it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that one. And, you know, as far as the Aresia thing... Actually, let me ask you that first. When we talked to Adam Withers at Super Show, he mm-hmm. pro- I think he pronounced her, na- her name, like, like Aresia or Aresia. I had never heard that before, but I, like, I said it to myself a bunch of times, and I'm like, I kind of like this. I don't know if it works grammatically, but I like that. I don't know. I I suppose that the first time I saw her name, I pronounced it in my head, Arissa. Oh, yeah, like Arissa, Aresia, Visa. Like, then I realized that there was an I in there, so when you started pronouncing it, Aresia, I don't know, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, but still, it's my pronunciations. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But um, I remember, I should have double-checked this, but back when that uh, Secret Files came out after the Sinestro War, her entry said something about, you know, the Guardians see her as, like, a potential candidate for Ion's host. Really? I, I think so. Let me get the Secret Files. Hang on. <laughs> um. Okay, let me get it, too got mine let's see where is she oh there it is um uh, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> she before mogo she's she's after kyle oh okay here it is here it is Aresia, or whoever however the hell you say it is one of the most decorated officers of the green lantern corps and is rumored she was considered as a vessel for the next ion. 
as a vessel for the next ion before Sodom yet arrived on the scene. She recently was asked to evaluate his performance, most likely to be available in case he failed. Hmm. Interesting. So maybe Ion's going to transfer over to her. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe temporarily, at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting. Yes. I'm, God, I want this series to start. I'm so curious. I want to read it. I want there to be three ongoing Green Lantern books. Damn it. <laughs> There are. Are you counting Brightest Day? Yes. That's not ongoing. <laughs> oh, man. God, so this starts in August, which means uh, next month you can start pre-ordering it. Okay. And now let, let me ask you this, because I, I don't know if this is a mislead or not. They keep teasing that, uh, you know, when they talk about the... Uh, the list of characters for this book, that there's going to be a Red Lantern in there. And here they show us them fighting a bad guy with Blee's help. Do you think Blee's is going to be, like, the book's Red Lantern mainstay? or, or it- Yes, yeah, I do. And I think that, um, and I think somebody else mentioned it on the forums also, but... Uh... Like, they gave her a lot of FaceTime. They gave gave her a a full origin in the Tales of the Core story, and we haven't seen her, like, at all since then. That's true. That's a good point. So after that, I was convinced. Yeah. Couldn't be Rage Kitty, could it? (laughs) Sorry. Dude, Rage Kitty is going to fight Lobo's dog. Jeff John's Twitter, I was looking at... He says Rage Kitty versus Crypto is coming after Rage Kitty fights Lobo's dog. I didn't even know Lobo had a dog, and I don't oh, yeah. care. I don't care. I just want to see Rage Kitty fight it. He's like a space pit bull. Oh, of course he is. Why not? Oh, you know what he looks like? He kind of looks like Mumra's dog. Does he have bandages, too? <laughs> uh, no, no, no bandages. What the hell is that dog's name? Like, like Mummut or something? Mamut. Oh my god. That cartoon freaked the shit out of me when I was younger. Oh. Just just how just freakishly scary Mumra is in both forms. Okay. Um I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Alright, so there we go. Two good ones. A lot of things that weren't my choice. I was misquoted. Accused and heartbroken Being secretive was my only disguise For all those lies Let's start off. Uh, we got one from Chad here. Hey guys, this is Chad. I was just giving you a call. Uh, listen to your la- latest episode, not the Brightest Day one, but the Brightest Day Zero one, but the uh, other one. And uh, I had just two quick points I wanted to make uh, before I hop into Green Lantern 53. First point uh, being 
I know this is going to sound really ridiculous, but do you guys realize how uber powerful White Lantern is? And I, I know it's I'm probably way behind the curve on this, but <clears throat> you have Dove, okay, and she's walking around Blackest Night, and anything within her vicinity is disappearing. You know, all the Black Lanterns are dying and stuff like that. But um, you got Sinestro hopping in to the White Entity, and I can't remember what issue it was in. Maybe it was in Green Lantern 52, um, but you've Sinestro makes his appearance as fully as White Lantern, and then he's got this like half sphere of white power, like just obliterating everything around him. Now, if Dove is tapping into just a little bit of the power of the White Lantern and incinerating every Black Lantern that hops in her path. Can you imagine how a direct, just huge explosion of white light is? Now, take that amount of power, now that Blackest Night is over, and apply it to whatever else is going to be going on. This is the most powerful thing in existence right now, and it's up for grabs. So, just throwing that out there. Second of all, you guys talked about Flash and Green Lantern or Green Arrow and Green Lantern being the best team. While I like the hard-traveling hero storyline, I have to say I've always liked Flash. Deep down, even though I may have said Green Arrow, I've always liked Flash and Green Lantern as a team better because they work better as a team. With Hal and Ollie, it almost seems like they're arguing too much to even get the job done. Or Green Arrow is going off the deep end and doing something that's against what Hal has been told to do by the Guardians or something. And it's like, okay, now Hal has to take the brunt of the work to dispatch the bad guys, and he has to rein Ollie in. I've always liked the personality, slight personality difference between Flash and Green Lantern that's always been kind of there, but they work better as a team. <clears throat> okay, now, Green Lantern 53. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I am more excited about this than I was about Blackest Night. Whoever this person is with the with capturing all the entities, it's so cool to see that they have enough power to chain Parallax outside of a battery. He's not inside of four separate batteries or anything. This person has, or thing, has chained the entity itself on a rock. Um, flipping, flipping, flipping. Uh, what I said earlier about the White Lanterns. Why is this uber, uber, the most powerful power in the entire universe calling for how specifically? I don't know. I know you guys will probably bring up the same question. <clears throat> and uh, the last point I wanted to make after uh, I jumped to the end here about uh, Atrocitus, whatever's going on with that, I'm intrigued. It's cool how the whole thing is splitting off from here into three other stories. Last point I wanted to make is uh, <clears throat> Larflees. <clears throat> Larflees. Oh, oh, yeah, that, that guy's back. And he's got a guardian on his side now. So, I don't know, maybe this would be a good time to talk about uh, <clears throat> Larflees and how, you know, powerful this guy really is and what uh, role he has to play. Just a thought. I swear I'm not hinting at anything. <laughs> Thanks for an awesome podcast, guys, as always. 
And uh, I think you'll get to this by the time after you, Jim, and Lauren move into your new place. Hope it rocks. Hope everything went well. Talk to you all later. Peace. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that we didn't bring up in the issue, that the White Lantern was asking for Hal. Oh, yeah. Um, well, okay. Well, first off, what what was the first part? What was the first thing you mentioned? Um... Oh, 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 okay. So as far as the White Lantern being, like, uber-powerful and, like, way more powerful than anything else that anybody's ever seen before, I agree that the White Lantern is powerful, but, you know, I guess for me, like, the thing that I'm thinking of is it's very powerful against Black Lantern. We don't have any idea how powerful it is against anything else at this point. Yeah, I I definitely see where you're t- where you're coming from for that with the whole like, like I mean basically what it was doing was destroying its polar opposite. Right. So, but at the same time, you gotta think like, okay, this is the power. This is like the power of life itself. All right. Like it. Like look at how devastatingly powerful each one of the spectrum rings can be right now imagine that like multiplied tenfold or whatever because like the white light is like all of that together ah but you see the catch is white is about life white is about creation so it really doesn't have the destructive powers it really doesn't have any destructive powers at all except to its polar opposite I think the White's powers are going to be, like, almost solely as far as, like, creation or bringing people back to life or enhancing life or something like that. I don't know about that. Like, I mean, I feel like they're going to do something similar with what they did with making the Predator this, like, giant beast as kind of a commentary on the nature of love. Like, like I mean, when you think about it, how... The life existing is the reason why pain and suffering exists. So life, like pure life, isn't innocent in the the causing pain and harm department. You know. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you could have that kind of opinion, but I mean, up up till this point, the only thing that we've seen the white light do is get rid of death and bring things back to life. So, I mean, I, I have to wonder if if a regular person just gets blasted with a beam of, you know, pure white light, then either nothing's going to, have to happen to them, I would imagine, or they'll just, like, get younger or, you know, become more... Immortal? Yeah, well, they'll have more life to them or something like that. Um, oh, the, the next thing you talked about, well, do you have anything to say about that? Nah, not really. There's still so many question marks up there. The other thing was he he likes the Barry and Hal um, team up better than Green Arrow and Hal. Yeah. And I mean, like he makes he makes a perfect point. It's like he's he's right. Green Arrow and Hal, they're friends, but it's the relationship that they have can sometimes be very adversarial. So we're Green Lantern and Hal. Or Green Arrow and Hal. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> Whatever you say, Green Arrow. <laughs> oh, you wish you had this beard. 
What? Shut up. I'm the one with the beard. I'm the one with the goatee. Fine, then you're Green Arrow. I'll be cruising around with my ring and space hookers. Oh. Wait a second. Yeah, I don't know why I argued that. <laughs> okay. Go, go start your Green Arrow podcast. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Um, and, you know, then he talked about issue 53 of Green Lantern. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why. Why the bat? Why the battery is calling for Hal specifically? It's, gonna, it's totally gonna be like a sword in the stone kind of thing. Like all these people are gonna try and lift it, and nobody's gonna. You know. Well, I mean, I have read issue one, so. Oh, don't tell me. I'm not I've... gonna say anything, but even after reading issue one, I'm still not entirely sure why it's calling for Hal. All right. So. Um. As far as the Larfley stuff, I mean... I don't know what he's talking about. Let's see. <laughs> <a little. laughs> I, I figure eventually we'll get to that, but I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll we'll wait till we have a little bit more revealed on Larfley's. I still haven't read that entire thread of his. Yeah. Because it just got active again, and I haven't gone back to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next one up, let's do um the C2E2 thing. Okay. Landerncast, this is Edgar Rios. Yeah, you. it was great how you tried, Jim. <laughs> but you can call me Edgar. It's a lot easier. Um, hey, I got a thought. While I was listening to you guys, episode 53, thanks for mentioning me, by the way. Um, I was thinking about all the Landerns and everything that was going on. And I was, uh, maybe you can discuss this in the next uh, podcast. Um, what happened to Superboy Prime since he became a Red Lantern in the end of that comic? Because they never explain it, um, as his girlfriend was a Black Lantern, but he became a Red Lantern. I don't know. There's the thought. Something to discuss. Uh, discuss. And... Uh, Anyways, hope you guys like uh, what I got for you guys in C2E2. Peter Tomasi said that he had awesome, awesome things coming for Guy Gardner in the Emerald Warriors. And Jeff Jones said that uh, keep reading. He didn't actually give a lot of points, which I was actually a little disappointed because I want more. But um, he says that the new Guardians are going to bring a lot of explanations and brightest day. And the other point in the whole conversation, before I forget, as uh, Black as Night was going on and happening, um, we always question what Batman has to do with this whole Black as Night. Well, there is no answers in Green Lantern or Bright as Day, but I think as my understanding was by Jeff and Peter and James Robinson, then all these answers are going to be answered on Batman and Robin, the search for Bruce Wayne. So the answers for the Blackest Night Batman, they're going to be answered on Batman books, if that was my understanding. Anyways, thank you for such an awesome job, Greg, guys. I love to listen to your podcast every day when I can. I listen by parts, of course, because I don't listen to the whole thing. It's not that long when I go to work. Um, Thank you so much. Hope you have a great one. Uh, I hope to listen to you guys soon enough. Thanks, and have a good one. Bye. Do you read Batman and Robin? 
I no, actually, I don't. I picked up one. I picked up one issue, and it was the issue where they kind of explain, like, what happened in Blackest Night. Um, I mean, should I spoil that or? Yes. Okay. The Batman that Necron brought back to life in uh, in the Blackest Night series was a clone of Batman. Um, now, during uh, Final Crisis, Darkseid was cloning Batman to create, like, a super army of, of Batman that he could send out and, you know, kill everybody kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the only problem was Batman's mind is so screwed up. It's, like, it's so convoluted that... You you can make a clone of Batman, but the clone will go insane. <laughs> so, like, they hooked Batman into this machine to try and, like, break him, to try and, like, simplify his mind, I, I guess. Um, and that didn't work. That ended up breaking the machine. Um, so all of these clones of Batman were, like, completely useless to Darkseid. He said, so I want you to destroy... All of them. Destroy every last clone of Batman, save one. I just want one, and, you know, I want the body. They're like, well, you know, you want us to get rid of all of them except for one. Like, well, what's the point of that? He says, well, these crazy, insane Batman clones I have no use for. But a, cl- a dead clone of Batman, now that I can use. So, like... I guess he was going to use that to maybe, like, you know, show Batman's dead or whatever like that. Um, and, and I guess that's what he did. Like, he probably switched Batman with this this alternate dead, you know, Batman clone, which they then buried. Necron knew that it wasn't actually Batman, but, you know, it was a clone, so hence the parent- the, uh, the quotes, rather, when he brought him back to life. The Era Bunnies? Yes. He, that Batman didn't actually say anything, he was just kind of insane, like, you know, the clone that he was, but he was able to establish the emotional connection because, you know, it technically was a version of Batman, and, and then he, you know, killed him again. Um, and in that, that particular issue of Batman and Robin that I read, they found, like, I don't know if it was a Lazarus pit or something that was like a cousin of the Lazarus pit. Oh, and, as, as long as it's got extended family, that's that's great. Yeah, they they dumped these these bones in the Lazarus pit, and the clone, this insane clone, came back to life. And uh, they ended up having to, I think, I think they ended up killing it. But uh, it's like, well, you know, okay, well, if this isn't Bruce, then where is Bruce, kind of thing? And then that'll lead off into the whole search for Bruce Wayne. Because by now we know that, you know, when Darkseid hit Batman with those beams at the end of Final Crisis, it just kind of sent him through time or something. He's been hanging out with cavemen. He's going to fight some pirates soon. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ordering that series. Oh, well, you'll have to tell me how it is. <laughs> well, so, um, okay, so I guess the other thing is uh, Edgar. Thank you so much, Edgar. Okay, so now I can finally, like, you know, say what uh what I was gonna say. Yeah, he hasn't. You haven't told me yet. 
what Ed, Edgar did was he went to C2E2, the Chicago convention, run by the same people that do the New York Comic Con. Good guys. And Graffiti Designs, the ones who make the, the t-shirts, all the lantern t-shirts, they had an exclusive at WonderCon and C2E2, and it was um, a tie-in with DC Direct. It was a White Lantern Sinestro figure and a Black Lantern Hal Jordan figure. And, I mean, like, I wanted, I definitely really wanted the Black Lantern Hal Jordan. I mean, that one's beautiful. But the one that I was, like, insane over was White Lantern Sinestro. Like, that's that's just the coolest thing to have a figure of him. So, Edgar actually, when he won the lotto to, you know, get a ticket to, you know, be able to buy them, and he, he actually picked them up for me. And, like, these figures are, they're amazing. Like, they're perfect. They look perfect. It's like, occasionally, like, you go to, you know, a shop and you look at the figures and maybe one has a slightly odd paint job here or, you know, there's an extra line here or whatever like that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you go to yeah. look at toys? Oh, yeah. Um, like, the, the new Star Sapphire figure, um, they re-released the, the Star Sapphire figure with uh, kind of translucent body parts, so it looks kind of, I don't know, starry or whatever. That's and weird. Yeah. And they you now there's a ring on her finger as opposed to the last figure. But they had to paint her face because the whole thing is cast in this translucent plastic. And because they painted her face, like, every paint job that I've seen so far has been, like, kind of crappy. So I'm not buying any of those. But, like, you know, like, the flip side is these these two figures, like, the paint job is absolutely immaculate. Like, the, the figures are beautiful. So, I mean, I thank Edgar so much. And he also sent something else for me and you. And uh, I have to send you yours. Um, I think I told you about this, didn't I? I don't think so, no. What is that? I'm almost positive that I did. It's a a print. I think it's like an 11 by 17 inch print from Greg Horn. No, you didn't tell me about this. <laughs> I'm almost positive I did. No, you, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm ruining the surprise then. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I I'm I got a an 11 by 17 print from Greg Horn. It's Hal Jordan, and you know it's like Greg Horn's painted style. I've I've seen this this particular image before. It's it's gorgeous. It's absolutely amazing looking print. Mm-hmm. And for you, it was the Greg Horn. It was a variant cover to one of the Green Lantern Corps issues with uh, Guy Gardner on the cover with his his green ring. Uh, you know, again, all painted style. Is it that one where he's kind of hunched over and like it's kind of like bloody, tattered kind of thing going on? Um. I don't know if he's bloody and tattered, but he is kind of hunched over kind of thing. So it's it's beautiful. So I'll, I'll have to send that to you. But, uh, Edgar, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, that's tremendous. Um, I, I, I've been in, you know, since I've just moved, i uh going to reimburse him, and that money order is, is going to be on its way very shortly. So hopefully by the time he... Let's see, by the time he hears this, hopefully he'll have it, but I don't know. Is yours a cover, too, or is it just, no, like... No, no, actually, uh, the Hal Jordan is just 
like uh, promotional art that he did a while ago for DC. Hmm. Um, so very cool, very cool pieces. He also sent us a a poster of the Blackest Night number zero cover. Blackest Night number zero. A brightest day number zero. All right. <laughs> very awesome stuff, Edgar. Thank you so much. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think they say. Oh, do you think we'll see Superboy Prime pop up again? Oh, soon? oh. Um, I think we have to. Yeah, I mean, Johns loves the hell out of this character, so he's gonna come back eventually. You know, and and really, like, I think after after that storyline, he may be on the path to not being such a you know a bad guy. He'll be slightly less murdery the next time we see him. I, I mean, like, he's he's kind of, like, after that, that whole experience with the ring, like, I don't know if if maybe he's found some sort of redemption in his own world, if only, you know, from himself. Like, you know, he's made a, a turning point in, by himself. He'll sit around and roast hot dogs with Barry Allen and St. Walker. <laughs> okay, one more. And this one is kind of dated, and I was just gonna kind of kind of let it go by. But there, there's one there's one bit in here that I thought was really cool. So we're gonna play this last one. Hey Jim, hey Dan. First off, you really need to get Lauren to go get cracking on that uh, phone intro thing there, so we actually know who we're calling. But playing the truth, I'm not entirely sure that I'm calling the right person right now. Second off. I want to be the first person to congratulate you on your upcoming 50th show. I don't know if I am the first, but I am kind of hoping, considering that I just downloaded episode 49 about 30 seconds ago. So, you guys are great. You guys are the ones that really helped get me into Green Lantern. So, that was an accomplishment right there, considering I was a Marvel zombie up until that point. Uh... And you guys also inspired me to get into podcasting of my own, which if you feel like doing that, you can do it later. Uh, so I just want to congratulate you guys again. Have a great 50th show. Have a piece of cake. And enjoy yourselves. Uh, I probably should have said this at the beginning. My name is Tyler Crone, uh, Spiderpool279 on the forums. I haven't posted very much but you can find me in some other podcasts. So, again, have a great time, you guys. Keep it going. I want another 500 episodes before you guys can call it quits. Don't do it. At least now we know how many we we have to do before we can finally stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Tyler, um, I don't don't think he mentioned this, but he has a podcast called uh, Of Mercs and Mutants. Yes. Um... Yeah, I, Tyler, he's he's been listening for a while. I know. Um, I, I've I've talked to him a couple of times on Facebook. Tyler's a very cool guy. Thank you very much for for our congratulations. This yeah. is this is like what five episodes past. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. I, <laughs> I, we do have a voicemail message now. Lauren did that up, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you should all listen to it. You should call in, leave messages. So you get to hear Lauren's voicemail message. <laughs> oh my god, that voicemail message, like, 
we we literally had to keep recording it like 30 times because we would like be hysterical laughing like halfway through it just because it was so ridiculous. I know you told me you were recording it, so I called up to listen to it. All I heard was like garbled noise. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? Where is it? You're like, oh, we're sorry. Where are we doing it? Where are we doing it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> and how crazy is that? Like, like we got someone reading Green Lantern. We got somebody reading DC. Oh man. That how crazy. We converted a Marvel zombie. How about how is that? How awesome is that? Yeah. Um. That's amazing. I mean, like, to bring Green Lantern to anyone, I mean, like, that that's that's the goal. That was always the goal, like, to spread the word of Green Lantern. Um, Tyler got to meet, actually, uh, Adam Umack. What you call it? I, I got an email from, uh, from Jason. He forwarded it from uh, Adam Umack. Um, Adam went to a comic book store and... Tyler was, uh, I guess, working there or something like that, and he heard Adam Umack's voice, and he's like, wait a second, are you Adam Umack? And it was Melville's fist on the forums. Mm. And he's like, well, yes, I am. He's like, oh, my God. He's like, and he, he recognized his voice from the Legion of Dudes. And I think, uh, yeah, because he, he mentioned that, you know, something about the Lantern cast, how he listened to the Lantern cast, and... It was just like really cool. I, man, let's gotta see if I can find that email now. But uh, I mean, yeah, Adam Umack was was definitely you know he was taken aback by by the whole situation that somebody you know recognized his voice. Um, but Tyler's awesome. Tyler's very cool. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to his podcast, and I definitely should because I know absolutely nothing about Deadpool except for the fact that I want to see the movie when it comes out. Yeah, no, and. I keep adding it, like, because I'm, I'm, like with my comic lists, I'm currently revising my podcast subscriptions, because there's, I just don't have the time to listen to everything I want to be subscribed to, so I'm like, I'm catching up on some stuff and figuring out what's going to be dropped, more for time than quality, so, he, and like, his is always kind of, kind of on deck to take any empty spots. Oh, okay, so... The uh, the way that he got to listening to uh, Legion of Dudes and Half Hour Wasted was because on iTunes, like he, he since he listens to Lantern Cast, he saw that people who listen to Lantern Cast also listen to Half Hour Wasted and Legion of Dudes. Awesome! So we should expect that royalty check from Adam Umack, <laughs> <Umac>, right? <laughs> oh man! Come on, um, come on, Brad Milo. Jason bought you a steak. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> What you call it? And uh, he'd also said that uh, um, he was waiting to listen to Kingdom Come, uh, the episodes of Kingdom Come that uh, the Legion of Dudes did, because he hadn't read the you know the story yet. So Adam's like, you know, you need to buy this, buy this today, so you can listen to our episode. And Tyler went and you know he he got it. So maybe uh, sometime in the future we'll have to do some sort of. Uh, you know, touch on Kingdom Come as well for the Green Lantern aspects. Yeah, I still haven't read the the um what they call it in John's JSA, like Thy Kingdom Come. Was that the uh, kind of sequel to it? Was was that it? I think so. There's like 
three trays worth of it. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. It was okay. That was okay. It wasn't great. It was in, It was okay, though. Right. As long as it was okay. Was it okay? <laughs> I'd, I'd say that it was uh, okay. Oh, well. All right. <laughs> um, uh, there was one other voicemail that we had. Well, there were a few, but what did... Uh... Uh, the one for the collateral damage. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you want it? I, I was going to send you that one, but I wasn't sure if you wanted to speak its name. Oh. Oh, my God, I said it. Oh, no. You did. You did. Ah, oh, God. That means you have to put your hand on the chopping block and let me take a finger of my choosing. <laughs> that was our off-air agreement. Okay, you know what? We said we said the title's name enough in this episode by saying it once. So, uh... <laughs> We'll play that voice spell next week. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think I'm just going to re- rename it something and send it to you at a random point. <laughs> uh, that works. All <laughs> we right. Can do that. Uh, okay. So, was there anything you wanted to mention or anything after this? After voicemails? Nah, I don't know. That's it. Didn't you, didn't you have something? I do. I definitely do. And I'll, I'll go into that in a second, but... I guess before that, I wanted to talk about, you read, and then, now this has absolutely nothing to do with, with Green Lantern, but uh, the Brave and the Bold issue 33. Mm. And, you know, I mean, like, you now we talk about comics. We talk about mostly Green Lantern, but, like, occasionally something comes along that's just so amazing that we kind of have to spread the word on it. And that, that's that's totally this issue of Brave and the Bold, number 33. God, yes. Yeah. This is the, um, what was it? It was Wonder Woman, Zatanna, and the Barbara Gordon Batgirl. Yes. Which, which you know, on first glance was kind of like, huh, Barbara Gordon Batgirl. That's a weird choice. Whatever. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I had no real interest in this grouping of characters. I got it because... I love this creative team, and I'm not skipping any issue by them. I mean, I I enjoy the hell out of Batman and Brother Power the Geek, so I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to skip anything they put out. Yeah, and this this just wow. Yeah, well, it's it's written by J. Michael Shazinski. Uh The art on this one was by Cliff Chang. Um, although the oh, really? cover, yeah, the cover is still by Jesus. Uh, Jesus says the cover is by Jesus. Yes. Oh my god. I this I, I and I don't even want to I don't even want to give it away. I'm not I'm not gonna give it away. Yeah. No. Um but it's uh it's a girls' night out and it's man, it's it's a beautiful moving story. And like how often does that come along in like a superhero comic, you know, put out by, you know, mainstream comics that like you actually you you read the issue and it's just like Wow. It's the kind of thing where, like, when I was reading it, as soon as I read the first panel of the per- first page, I knew where this was going to go. I, I didn't know exactly how it was going to get there or why it was going to take that journey, but I knew where it was going to end up. And the whole time you're reading it, it just keeps building and building and building, and you start to get nervous for what what's going to be on the next page. <laughs> because of, like... like You you know how you, how you can be when... When you know what you're going to have to to get through eventually, so like 
Yeah, well, yeah, again, don't want to give too much away, but... No, 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 no. And, like, and I read it, and, like, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't see it coming until, you know, much further in. But, I mean, it's, it's so good. Like, you know, if you have, if you have the three dollars to plunk down, and you can see if you can find this issue, it's, it's fully worth cover price. You know, this, this is like, it's such a good story. Can't say that enough. Another, another comic that I wanted to mention, and and this is gonna this is gonna sound odd. I know, I know. Oh God. But uh, <laughs> I read uh, Wonder Woman number forty-three. Oh, is that the like the first part of that story arc thing with the no the green light? No, actually, it's the second part. The first part oh. was last last month. I know, but I still haven't read it. Yeah. Um, yeah, 42, you can, you, what? You can go into it, I don't care if you spoil that. Oh, uh, 42, like, I just kind of, like, went through, and, like, I, I mean, I didn't really, you know, read it in depth too much, um, like, I, you know, I read here and there, but I wasn't really, wasn't really picking up on it, it wasn't really blowing me away at all. 43, however, was probably, not counting the, uh, the Blackest Night Wonder Woman issues, it's probably like some of the most interesting Wonder Woman issues I've read in like I don't know a really long time. Really? Yes. Was it also the only Wonder Woman issues you've read? <laughs> because you seem to really dislike Gail Simone as a writer. I've I read Wonder Woman. Well, I read Wonder Woman when they started up the series. I gave it a shot then, um, and uh, and that didn't that didn't grab me at all. But um. I you know I, I used to read Wonder Woman every once in a while in like the nineties. It was a, it was good you know here and there, um, but uh, no no like they have this this whole story going on right now where they they gave like the origin of Wonder Woman's costume and there's like this new kind of adversary for her to fight and. I know, like, the last, either the last storyline they had or the storyline before that, they introduced the Olympian. Oh, uh, yeah, like, the male counterpart to her, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, I I kind of flipped through here and there during that series, like, you know, on the stand kind of thing. Um, and it never really seemed all that interesting to me. But here, like, not having to, like, wade through issues upon issues of his origin, you know, trying to get to the point where he's finally a character they can use. Like, now that he's just a character and he's just doing stuff, he's pretty interesting. Hmm. So, I don't know, like, it was it was a good issue. Art was good, the story was good. I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the next issue, like, big time. Nice. So... That makes me more optimistic to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised. How's the art? Because I haven't read this thing. I I flipped through the first issue, which is something that I generally don't do, but, you know. I Just on a passing glance, it didn't seem... Like, like Nicholas Scott... Wait, that's her name, right? Yes. Yeah. Nicholas Scott on uh, Blackest Night Wonder Woman blew both of us away. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because she has a different inker here, 
but I'm like, huh, this doesn't look quite as good I think, as the miniseries. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely the inking. The inking's not as good, and the coloring isn't, you know, quite as good. Well, with with the coloring, I think she had uh, uh, Nay Rufino. On uh, Blackest Night yeah. Wonder Woman? So, I mean, like, uh, she she definitely had her for, like, the third issue. I don't know if she had her for all of them, but, I mean, the coloring on, on that series was was amazing. Um, you know, it's it's good here. It's definitely good. It's it's very good. And the art, you know, even even with uh, the anchors, and I think there's a few different anchors. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, there's three different anchors. So, I mean, that never helps, but... Uh, Oh, and it was penciled by Nicholas Scott and Fernando Danino. Oh, well, um, I could have contributed. But uh, yeah, and I, that that makes sense because there are some scenes that look a little more cartoonish. But um, I mean, overall, no, it's 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 good art, it's solid art, and it's a good story. Hmm. So. I mean, this is the first time, you know, aside from Blackest Night, Wonder Woman, this is the first time that I can actually recommend Wonder Woman. Nice. So. I, I should be getting, did that just come out? I guess, oh, I guess I had to, because I don't have it yet. But I, sh- I should have it by Friday, so. Um, Maybe I'll dig into the first two issues of that story. I think that came with the last, uh, the last order from DCBS. Oh. Oh, oh well. It'll be fine. Hey, speaking of stuff we read, yes. Remember, remember back like uh, I think it was right before Black Night ended. They started uh, putting out those brightest day teaser covers, and you saw the um that one for the Justice League that had the the whited out burning fiery chick on it that everybody was looking at, and <laughs> and we all called it like, oh, it's gotta be Jade. Yeah. Like I called it, you called it, everyone on the forum called it. It, it was blatantly Jade. Yeah. So I pre-ordered that issue, and that was before we even knew there was a crossover coming between the League and the Society. Right. So I just pre-ordered that issue because, you know, Jade's coming back. I'll, I like Jade. I want to see what the hell's going on. And and the, the, since then, we found out that there's going to be, like, this five or so part crossover between the two books. And, you know, yeah, we are going to cover that on the show, people wondering at home. So I was reading this thinking, like, oh, okay, this will be a good primer for that story, too. Because, I mean, it's it's a couple issues out, but still. Jim, I don't know if you read this, but the plot in that crossover had better be the most interesting goddamn thing <laughs> ever. Because <laughs> this, this was horrible, alright? This was so ridiculously bad. Yeah, um, I, I flipped around, I flipped through it, I, I don't remember offhand what happened, um, but I, I do remember, like, yeah, it's it's got Jade on the cover, or... I, I, oh, it's got her, like, leg on the cover. <laughs> yeah, and she shows up, like, for, like, what, the final page? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a problem, because I know we're going to get into the whole Jade stuff in this crossover story. Right. So. But it felt like they were telling... They used, like, 20-something pages to tell 10 or 8 pages of story. And, like, conceptually, it's good stuff. It's, like... It's this uh, new-ish league training and trying to get their act together, which you you you'll want that. Oh wait, is Except... this where? Oh, 
No, never mind. I'm thinking of a previous issue. This is where, you know, they're training in, like, on the satellite, and the rock crashes through it and lands in Germany, and Etrigan's there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, this, this, like, I mean, it had stuff in there that, conceptually, it works, and you kind of want to see, but the dialogue was atrocious. <laughs> like, I've never had a problem, really, with Bagley's uh, DC art, except for right here, where everything looked <laughs> weird, and... And the whole, like, uh, except, except for Con Gorilla. He draws a good gorilla. I'll, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. But, like, the whole, it, it was just, like, like, ah, God. I'm kind of dreading this storyline now. <laughs> oh, man. Now I gotta, I gotta find that issue. And you know what? You know what's worse? What? I, uh, uh, worse in one respect, good in another respect. Um... James Robinson and, and Mark Bagley are doing all of the chapters of the crossover, like all the Justice League issues and the Justice Society issues, oh. which is which is good because it'll the whole thing will have like a a good level of consistency for anyone who wants to bind it or get the trade. Yeah, and just overall creatively, it'll it'll be a lot less choppy. Right, but bad because if it's going to be like this, <laughs> oh god, ah. Uh, but they're gonna explain like the Starheart in this story, I hear. Yeah, yeah. They're supposed. I think Robinson or somebody teased at a convention, maybe C2E2, that you know, the Starheart is related to the emotional spectrum in some way, and this is going to explain that. Which you know, I'm I'm down for. I'd like to. That sounds like an interesting story. I'm, you know, like go for it. Let's wow us. Okay, yeah. go for it. But <laughs> I'm just so. Oh, I want it to be good, Jim. I just want it to be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I read the issue of Justice League before this one, and it was like, it's bizarre. It's really, it just, it makes no sense. Like, the people that are on this Justice League right now, um, Monel and... Uh, well, if you read this issue that I've read... First, there's only four members of the league in it, which made me question: Are there only four people in this team? Because it's it's uh the um not not Tim Drake, the Dick Grayson Batman, yeah, Donna Troy, right, um, Con Gorilla, and the Starman. the Blue Skin Starman, right? Yeah, they're they're the only ones around. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, because I know uh, Monel is there uh, occasionally and. Cyborg. Um, there's a few other characters. Aren't Hal and Ollie on this team? Um, I haven't seen them. I don't know. I no because because Green Lantern has been going through you know the whole Blackest Night, Brightest Day stuff, and Ollie is now like on the run as a like I don't know. He's a squatter in the forest. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I I picked up the final issue of the the last Green Lantern series, a Green, Green Arrow series. Mm. Um and it's basically like his trial and how like, you know, now they're banning him from Star City. I heard about that. Like isn't there a page in there where like where uh he unmasks and everybody's like, "Holy crap, it's Ollie Queen." Oh, I... We couldn't tell because you had a domino mask um, and a very distinguishable beard. 
<laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember the whole thing, but um, one thing that I thought was funny on uh, BleedingCool.com, they had this thing where, like, a lawyer was looking at, like, different, uh, like, law problems, and there was one in Brightest Day Zero and one in this final issue of Green Arrow. And, oh, let's see, we went over Brightest Day Zero, so... Yeah. Um, with that, he's like, how come Captain Boomerang and, um, what's his name, uh, Reverse... Eobarthon? Yeah, yeah. Um, how come they're in jail? Because they were both dead. Now, I mean, with, with Reverse Flash, like, that one I can kind of understand, because he kind of just committed crimes as soon as he came back to life. Yeah. Um in uh, Flash Rebirth. But for Captain Boomerang, like, he died, and now he's back to life, so why is he in prison now? Hmm. That's a good point. Um, you know, the Statue of Limitations should kind of be up once you're dead. Yeah. Well, maybe Central City has an ordinance where if the Flash punches you, you have to go to jail. <laughs> Um, and the other thing was, uh, in, in Green Arrow, the, you want me to spoil it? I'm not going to read the last issue of yeah, the series. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll kind of, you'll get it as soon as you read the first issue of Green Arrow, Bright as Day, or whatever. I'm yeah. sure. Um, basically, the, well, do you know what happened with him and, in, uh, you know why he's on the run? Um, he he killed somebody. Right. He killed who is the Prometheus? Who's the? Oh, okay. I was gonna say who he killed the dude that blew up Star City. I forget who it was. Exactly. Uh, Prometheus in uh, Cry for Justice, uh, Justice League Cry for Justice. Um, which this is this is mega spoilers, spoilers, but that series yeah. really, you know, it's worthy of spoiling anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in Cry for Justice, uh, and if you didn't read this, don't. I'm going to tell you right now everything you need to know. In Cry for Justice, Prometheus, this, you know, bad guy who's like an evil version of Batman, um, he, uh, he, like, has this plan to, like, use the transporters on the Justice League satellite to abduct entire cities and scatter them throughout time, so that way all of the loved ones of these heroes will be completely lost. Um, pretty screwed up plan, but uh, he... Through time? Why can their teleporters even go through time? Well, he had, he had like an additional little thing that he, you know, patched on there so that they'd be stuck in time. But whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, essentially what happened, though, is when he got to Star City, like... It just got destroyed. He just destroyed the entire thing. Um, or blinked it out of existence or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is somewhere. It doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter. But what does matter is the fact that Green Arrow's... Um, this would be his granddaughter was killed when, you know, the, uh, the whole place blinked out of existence. Um, so, you know, it's... Yeah. Green Arrow's granddaughter. So he basically went nuts, and he killed Prometheus. Arrow through the head. Um, and 
<laughs> and so, you know, he goes on the run. It's like, you can't kill people. That makes you a bad guy, blah, 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 even though this guy is like, he's basically like like Maxwell Lord in terms of evil. Like, really, like, hmm. if you're going to kill anybody, you need to kill this guy. Um, yeah, but okay. But he killed people, so blah, blah, blah. You got to, you know, you got to face justice. So he's on trial, and, um, you know, the, the, the jury said, you know, just decides to find him not guilty. Which Green Arrow says, he's like, you know, he's like, I should be put in prison for this. He's like, but they're, you know, they're voting with their hearts thinking that, you know, he should have died. That's why they're letting me go free. So the judge, yeah, yeah, exactly. But the judge says, it's like, you know what, um, you know, I, I, I hate this, you know, I, I can't believe that you're, you're free. He's like, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to bar you from being in Star City, you know, forever. You're, you're kicked out. Um, you know, you may be innocent here, but, you know, you're kicked out forever. Can the judge exile people? No, he can't, because that was, that was the whole thing. <laughs> okay, so there's two things wrong with this that the lawyer came up with on this. Thing. Um, first off, <laughs> Green Arrow killed Prometheus in, like, a limbo state. Like, uh, I don't know if it was in, like, an alternate, like, reality or on the space station or whatever. Um, oh, was he in his, like, weird crooked house in that white space? I, I don't... That was his headquarters in Morrison's JLA, whatever. Oh, well, whatever, it's, it was limbo. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't exist anywhere or whatever. That's where he was killed. So, like, there's, like, nobody has jurisdiction over that. And for a, a court to, like, find you guilty of anything, it's, it's only what they have jurisdiction over. Nice. So the first, so first off, like they shouldn't have been able to get him at all, um, you know, because of that. But on, but on top of that, once a jury finds you innocent, then you're free. That you know, the judge can't be like, well, I don't agree with that, so I'm gonna, you know, put some, you know, extra harsh punishments on you. He has no right to do that after the jury jury finds you innocent. This is what the lawyer is saying. So, yeah. yeah, so... None of the episodes of Law & Order I've watched have ever had that happen, so must be true. Yeah, so... <laughs> ridiculousness. Wow. <laughs> Alright, so we're hitting two hours, and there's still a lot more. So what we're going to do is cut it off right here and use the rest of what we recorded for next episode. Uh, there's going to be a whole mess of free comic book day related goodness. Uh, we'll get to hear from Jason and we will have a surprise interview also related to free comic book day. I'll leave you hanging on that. Uh, you can contact us at lanterncast at gmail.com or individually at jim, dan, or jason at lanterncast.com. Our phone number is 206-600-7537. We are on Facebook. We are on... Oh, yeah. We're we're on thecomicforums.com. Scroll down to L for LanternCast. Join join the community. Participate. And you'll finally know what the hell we're talking about when we reference forum conversations all the time. 
and I think that's it lanterntocast.com you can also get our episodes there as well as iTunes and yeah see you next week Why'd you ever have to read between the lines?